Uh, hey everyone, welcome to Movie Films with Bill and Steve, I'm Bill. Hey guys, and I'm Steve. Movies talk, so let's talk movies. Let's talk those movies. How are you doing this week, Steve? Uh, I'm doing alright, uh, it was my birthday. I'm yeah, not, happy not, birthday. I'm 30 years old now. I'm an old man. That is a new decade to conquer. Oh Jesus. Well, the last decade went by in a heartbeat, so looking forward to it. Also, going by too fast. You say that, but <laughs> you're wrong. I hope I am wrong. Um, You're so wrong. I finally found out uh, the closing date for my house this week. It is Tuesday. So, you know, for those of you listening at home that don't understand, in real time, today is Thursday. So I I was notified of the closing of my house four days prior to the closing of my house. There you go. GG, everyone. Well, you mean, you you know, you have plenty of time to get moved over there and stuff, and... Uh, we will still have plenty of time, you know, our rent, yeah, our rent uh, apartment, our apartment lease is up on the 28th, mm-hmm. and our closing is on Tuesday, so we're going to have uh, several days to, like, do some painting and stuff in the house while it's empty, mm-hmm. and then, uh, like, take some small boxes over, and then we, uh, the official move date is next Saturday, and even then, we'll still have, like, three days left over in case we don't get literally absolutely everything out of this apartment on that Saturday. So we got... And you sound like, you know, people who are actually planned have been packing. It's not going to come move day, and you're still going to have shit, like, just sitting everywhere. And you're like, oh, it's okay. It's fine. I had a friend who moved out of his parents' house for the first time, and he had people over on the day he was moving, and nothing was packed. He's like, oh, let's move. He's like, uh... Uh, I don't want to say his name because I want to shit on him. <laughs> uh, I was about to say it, but it's like uh, everyone that told me his story is like, uh, "You have nothing packed." Yeah, it's just just, just toss our box. No, we're here to help you move. When we when you, we do that, when people do that for you, you should have everything packed and ready to go. Yeah, one time I kind of screwed that up, not on purpose though. I it sounds worse than it is. No, it's pretty bad. I have no excuse. I forgot about a closet. <laughs> and this was back when I was living in a place with, like, big closets, so, like, mm-hmm. there, was a, there was a good chunk of shit that it was just like, hey, Steve, none of this is packed. Fuck. Uh, fuck. Uh, you guys carry stuff, I'll just start throwing all the shit in the box. Yeah, I, I can understand that a bit better than instead of having, like, your entire room, your entire life in this one room and come new move day, you've done nothing. Yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely agreed with you there. <laughs> it became like, okay, shit, f- okay, here's a garbage bag, just, you go in your closet, you take the garbage bag up, like, because they were trying to get into movies, like, taking shirts down one at a time, folding them, it's like, no, 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 you just take the garbage bag, put it at the bottom, bring it up top, tie it off, boom, there you go, grab and move. Because, like, my friend who was, like, kind of leading this charge is just like, I'm not, no, we're not fucking doing this, we're, going, we're doing this now, grab, throw, okay, throw it in a box, fuck it. <laughs> you want me to help you, goddammit, you can't be fucking me around like this. Can't be fucking me around. Can't be fucking me around. You fuck me on the deal. There was, it was so funny too because when he went to the house, uh, we had a friend who bought a house, and then my the friend that's moving was going to rent, you know, basically like you know, room with them and to help you know cover costs and stuff. So the the one friend leading this charge of this move to get people on their ass was there, and he noticed some weird things like the exhaust vent for the dryer was just like pressed against a window, like he had like the coil, like the, the foil coil going up, and just had it pressed against the window was not actually exhausting or doing anything holy shit <laughs> and he's like you can't fix that he's like if i have the heat on it's like that is a fire hazard <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna die and then he noticed that the their the deck they had was slouching and getting bad and he's like he's looking at it like you need to fix it he's like you need to fix this like, well i don't really care it's a deck i'm not gonna use all this tail it's like you know tear it down refix it and he's real noticing it's like oh the reason why this is happening is because your gutters 
are just dumping water underneath of it, and it's like basically going to create a um, sinkhole. So what you need to do is get some like PVC pipe and run it out to the alleyway to drain out the water. And they're like, "Yeah, I'll get around to it sometime." So like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, this this one this friend who's pointing this stuff out to him uh, had the had the great misfortune slash privilege to be like one of the few people in all in central Illinois to get uh, trapped in a uh, um, in a quicksand. Wow. Up to got went up to his chest. Good for him. Good yeah. for him. that is that's every child's dream. To be stuck in quicksand and yeah, make it out. Of, yeah, just because of bad, uh, you know, water stuff, it just created sink, 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 uh, sinking, you know, quicksand situation. So he just kind of got stuck and uh, went up to his chest. <laughs> well, was, uh, I hope all those cartoons that he watched growing up helped him get out of that situation. It was basically no. It was so funny about it. Um, he tells the story way better, obviously. But since I'm relaying the story now for our lovely listeners, so he just he had, was sucking all this dick, right? He was on a phone trying to tell people, "It's like I need you to come get me," and they th- they just didn't. No one believed him. Like he's like <laughs> trying to tell them that this is happening, and no one. He's like he's slowly sinking into this quicksand, and no one is believing that there's an issue. It took like I think someone had to drive drive by and saw him. <laughs> That's amazing. Trapped, and that's how like EMTs came to get him. Like he was fine, but they were, they had you know they would take him to the hospital, talking about just to make sure he didn't have hypothermia or something because this happened like like dead of winter because mm-hmm. it could it could just happen. To, I know I think it was like late fall, but still it was a possibility he could have got hypothermia. But yeah, that that's such a funny when you relate to me. I'm like, wait, this happened to you? Like, how did I not find out about this? <laughs> it wasn't that big of a deal apparently. <laughs> but there's some uh, there's some stories. Some friend stories about moving and quicksand. There's some life lessons. Make sure uh, you call and try to tell people that might actually believe you when you're sinking in quicksand. <laughs> people that may may believe that you're real. Not think that you're just uh, not wanting to do a job or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm in quicksand. I'm in Boss, quicksand. please, please, I'm I'm sinking in quicksand. Yeah, fucking what, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to believe that fucking shit? Fuck you. You quicksand line, motherfucker. <laughs> well, I'm glad your house situation's all sorted out. That sounds very fantastic. Yes, it is. So, everything's going well, going swimmingly so far. I got Marvel this weekend. I'll be in sunny Columbus, Ohio, meeting, nice. the, meeting the kids. I'm not uh, close enough to downtown Columbus, which is too bad, because that means I'm not walking distance from one of my favorite fucking restaurants when I do Marvel jobs. Mm-hmm. But... I noticed that there was a neat, uh, like, old-school arcade right near our hotel, so I'm gonna check that out instead. Hell yeah! Let's see how that is. I hope it's not lame. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it's okay. It's probably gonna be okay. You know, as long as they have, uh, the Adam Stanley pinball. You see, I didn't see a picture of that. Well, man, they're fucking up. I just burn this fucking place down. If you're going to be in like an arcade and have pinball and not have the Adam Stanley pinball you know, machine, you are <sighs> cruising for a bruising. Hey, that place we had my bachelor party, that place had the Adam Stanley pinball. They had a lot of great pinball machines. Yes, they did. <laughs> Surprisingly, for like a small place, they were just like, no, we need like at least eight good pinball machines. And they had, they had the, the cream of the crop, really. Mm-hmm. Cream of the crop always <laughs> rises to the top. That's right. Um, how That's are you great. doing, Bill? I'm doing okay. Uh, not a lot going on. Same old, same old. I'm going to a wrestling show this Sunday for Glory Pro. That was being run by the wrestler Michael Elgin. He's a cool guy. He's okay. running. His, he's starting up his own promotion. This is the first show down in the St. Louis area. Uh, so that should be exciting. 
Uh, other than that, not a lot going on. Just same old stuff. Uh, I went and saw John Wick Chapter 2. That was excellent. Great. Uh, some people are, t- are saying it was better than the first one. I don't know if it's better than the first one, but it's very, very, like, very comparable, very, like, you know, very, like, close equal on, on the footing. Which, hey, you know, at the end of the day, for an action sequel to get, like, that high of a praise rating from everybody in general and all that stuff, that's, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Because most action films and the general who get sequels usually, like with most films of sequels, usually drop off a steep cliff. Uh, but this film uh, definitely had more money. They could do a lot more uh, action set pieces and scenes than they could in the first one. Uh, the cinematography and everything is stellar. Uh, like there's, I had some friends who were kind of had some issues with some of the unrealistic aspects of the film. Even though the film, the first one was kind of trying to steep itself in realism, uh, but I had to, I had to counter that saying, I don't care. You know why? Because at the end of the day, I can actually tell what's going on. Uh, the problem with most modern action films is they are just cut happy, or the camera is shoved up in someone's asshole. Right, you fucking and take, it, and, take and, and, and three of fifteen cuts climbing a fucking fence. Yeah, or or like the most recent uh, Jason Bourne film, mm-hmm. where it not to use the usual usual joke, it's like someone had Parkinson's who was holding the camera. Yep. And on top of it being dark, and on top of it being up too close, it's like shaky cam on Matt Damon's like pores on his face in a pitch black <laughs> room. Look at the action. Well, I'm sure the action was probably nice and well choreographed. I just couldn't see any of it. Yeah, I kind of hope that, like, how Jason Bourne kind of inspired an era of action movies to start adopting the shaky cam, quick cut stuff. I hope that John Wick inspires an era of action films where we're like, hey, let's just pull back the camera and, like, keep on the same shot for a while. Yeah, some films do, like, do it, but it seems like most American-produced action films just have some fascination with being right up on top of someone's asshole. Speaking of John Wick, I finally saw John Wick 1. Oh, you did? So yes. now you're going to see the second one? Yes, I will. I can't believe it took you that long to see the first one. But again, I think I think the film only came out 2015. Yeah. So it wasn't even that long ago, you know, really, so... I've been busy. Hey, that's okay. Yeah. Making my own but, fucking uh, movie. What did you think of the first film that you, for, now you finally saw it? I thought it was really, really good. Excellent. I enjoyed it a lot. I uh, There was a lot of great character moments. I liked how just everyone in the fucking world knew who John Wick was. Mm-hmm. And thought John Wick was this really cool guy, except for the one motherfucker that fucked with John Wick. Just some young asshole didn't know who John Wick was. Every single time it came up, I laughed my fucking head off. Like, hey, yeah. I, I heard you punched my son. Well, sir, um, he uh, stole John Wick's car and killed his dog. Oh, okay. This rubbing head like, oh, okay, uh, hang up the phone. <laughs> yeah, like, like, no fucking issues, like, no threats to John Leguizamo, just very matter-of-fact. Like, okay. And he's like, this is the realization that, that his son fucked up royally. Real bad. Real bad. But it was good, the action was fantastic, the pacing was solid, it was well shot, I liked it a lot. Absolutely. What I like most about this film series, this is something we kind of talked about before, uh, world building and things of that nature... Uh, this series, especially the first film, like, you would not expect the world building to be so fucking good as it is in this film series. Oh, yeah, the fucking, the hotel alone is such a cool concept to me. Mm-hmm. The fact that, like, it's this assassin's hotel, and they have, like, fucking code words, and a bunch, a bunch of assassins stay there, but they have rules where, like, they're off limits, and if you fuck up with the rules, well, you're fucking dead. Mm-hmm. It also does a really good job in 
creating the world because there's not a lot of, as you know, John, there's none of those moments. This is like, they just do the coins. So you're just left just saying like, oh, this is interesting. Like, they're not explaining it to you. They're, they're showing you this world. Yeah. And it's great because the second film goes deeper into that and, you know, does more with it. But, the same, but again, never having those moments that a lot of films fall into the, the hole of, of having song, like, expo, exposition dump. As you know, John, like, we use these gold coins in our assassin society. Exactly. And it's such, it's just fantastic that this action film series is doing such, doing like, I don't know, like Tolkien fantasy levels of world building. <laughs> like, if you would not expect any of this to be from, like, you'd maybe from a television series or something, but do you see these two films just all of a sudden, like, you know so much about this, like, underground world of assassins and all this other stuff? Mm-hmm. It's pretty fantastic. Uh, and the second big film that came out was the Lego Batman movie. I did not get to see that. How, what did I, you think of it? I did see it. Um, it was not a fraction as good as the Lego movie. Mm-hmm. I keep on seeing a bunch of people claim that it's like the best Batman movie since the Nolan films, and I feel like that's not the case. I, do, I don't agree with that. Yeah. But then again, we also are fans of uh, Batman v Superman and all of that type of stuff. But even then, uh, I, I haven't had a chance to see it, admittedly, but I've seen a lot of people who actually did see re- the Return of the Cape Crusader, the uh, like the Adam West uh, kind of 60s Batman animated film they made. Oh, I forgot that that released. I knew they were making it, but I forgot that it actually Yeah, I, 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 it's on my list to check out for a while, but uh, aside from people who have had seen it and said that that film is way better than this film. Okay. But it's a thing that no one saw it, so everyone just thinks Lego Batman is like some big savior of a film. Mm-hmm. I just had a general problem with it. Like, I thought the first half was really funny, but it kind of just devolved into being just kind of up its own ass and doing a lot of... I, like, the Lego movie kind of hit that point, too, where it kind of stopped being super funny, but also had a lot of charm and actual characters I cared about and doing stuff with. Lego Batman falls in this hole where halfway through... I just don't care. I just, like... I'm sitting there just, meh. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, there'll be some more funny jokes and stuff like that, but the, the general plot and story of the film and the characters they're, they're presenting, I'm just not... Not feeling... Well, but, you know, so long as Batman doesn't fight any fucking Daleks or something stupid like that happens, I think oh. it's, it'll be an okay movie. Okay. Um, I don't want to spoil anything for you. Oh, God. Are there cameos? Yeah. Oh. There are a lot of cameos. It seems weird. I thought it was the Lego Batman movie. It is the Lego Batman movie. It's the Lego Batman movie, so everything is still in that Lego movie universe where you just have all this stuff running around. It was something that wasn't really quite touched on in the trailers, but it's a major. It's like halfway through the film, it's like a major plot element. Great, you know. Hope I'm not spoiling something major for people, but fuck, okay. it's it's not that bad. It's not that bad, but it's it's if you didn't know, I didn't know going into it, obviously. So it was kind of like, oh, we're doing this. <laughs> oh, we're doing this. Okay. What kind of gets me about the film? There's some cool parts, like when it came to voice acting. I don't want to spoil like who does what in the film, but it kind of bothers me when you see the cast list. It's all just like actors, mm-hmm. like but no voice actors. That's I mean that's an issue I have with a lot of like animated films and like how video games have been starting to do that too. Mm-hmm. Like voice actors are not fucking respected as well as they should be. No, it's like not. no one behind the scenes. And no one aside from, like, actual fans seem to understand that voice actors matter as much to the characters they play as face actors do. Nope. And, and, and like, they're used to these characters, they bring them to life, they understand nuances, and I still, I'm still fucking mad about Kojima replacing fucking David Hayter. As if fucking Jack Bauer was the only possible dude who could have done those 17 lines of dialogue in Metal Gear Solid Five, And not yeah. the dude that understands this character better than anyone else. 
And it's been playing the character, you know, for 16, 17 years. Well, it, 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 Kojima wants to act, he wants to work with his favorite actors, so obviously that's what matters. Well, especially now going into his new film, new film. Yeah, <laughs> basically. New, new, new game, where he has Norman Reedus, Guillermo del Toro, Mads Mikkelsen, all this other crazy shit. No game, but he has to be like, hey guys, look at all these famous people that I, that are Another my friends. Game. Kojima left, I don't know why he just, he wants to, clearly wants to make movies. I don't understand why Kojima just doesn't go make movies. Yeah. Because that's that's been the entire Metal franchise. Yep. It's just him wanting to make movies and stuff. I don't know. But that's enough for uh, more current event stuff. Uh, John Wick Chapter 2, th- big thumbs up. Go see it. Lego Batman, eh, thumbs in the middle. Like, Rachel really enjoyed it. I I don't know. I just, I just had a lot of issues with it. Like, I don't hate it. But I thought it was... I, my, as I told Steve, my review for it was the, in capital letters, meh. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't quite understand the, like, 98-whatever percent that it has on uh, on Rotten Tomatoes and all those things. Someone did a, um, made a website of how to write your own Rotten Tomatoes review for mm. any of the DCEU movies. And it's just a bunch of drop-down fucking, like, um, what's that fucking game where you insert words? Mad Libs? Yeah, it's basically Mad Libs. And, but the final thing on the list, when they compare it to other movies as what does it better, the only selection that you could select is Lego Batman. <laughs> so it's, the entire article is shitting on whatever DCEU movie that you choose, and you choose whether they hate it because it's too serious, or they hate it because it tries to be fun, and no matter what, Lego Batman does it right. <laughs> I haven't been seeing too much of that, so thankfully. Thankfully. But I, I can totally imagine that there was a huge bunch of people online just saying that. Mm-hmm. You see, actually, only before I digress some more crap, I do one real quick thing before we get in the news. I do like I'm seeing a lot more people stop saying I wish DC would stop screwing it up, and a lot more people are now shifting over to blaming Warner Brothers, which is good. I respect yeah, they should, that. Yeah, they should put the blame on the actual studios, not just saying DC's fucking. Because I'm sure when they say that, it's as if DC Comics themselves don't want to make good movies, right? It's very clear that a lot of times it's it's a lot of studio executives and people meddling. When they really shouldn't be, mm-hmm. and that, that's but but everyone just kept doing the whole. Well, do you see just well, the same way they say Marvel? But at least Marvel is Marvel Studios. It's not like when they say it's not like there's not a DC Studios, right? So I mean, it's just it's it's been a shift, and uh, I've been I've been appreciating that because I I don't like when people aren't putting blame on the proper thing. Mm-hmm. It's a general pet peeve with me. Some things. Uh, movie news: a little bit of it here before we get into today's uh, Black History Month film. Uh, Adi Shankar, who may, of course made the Power Rangers unauthorized, like that bootleg uh, short film a couple years back, Power Slash says Rangers. he is. Yeah, says he is interested in d- developing a, an R-rated animated Power Ranger series. Horrible idea. Horrible idea. I mean, his idea of um, it's, it's a complete retelling of the first three seasons. Going to be really fucking dark, darker than any other Power Ranger series. Who wants that? I mean, a lot of fucking idiots. Because again, well, no and like this is this is the guy, and don't get me wrong, Power Slash Rangers is a satire. He mm-hmm. said that in interviews, he firmly established that, that this that that short film was supposed to make fun of Hollywood for making gritty reboot versions of like not gritty stuff, and to make fun of people that say that they want that by kicking everything up to eleven, and just making it fucking ridiculous and stupid to be like, hey, you're all fucking idiots. Is this what you want? However, a bunch of people missed that it was satire and went, Oh, yeah, that's what we want! 
Yeah. Um, not realizing that they were the fucking punchline. Uh, so, I don't... Like, I am fine with Power Slash Rangers for what it is. Because, again, it is a satire. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, it's RoboCop for Power Rangers. Yes. Um... But I feel like if he actually made the series, which won't fucking happen, like, Saban would never give a thumbs up to this. No. Ever. Um, but if he did this show, I don't think the show would be satire. I think that they he would just focus more on making it gritty to make it gritty, because that's apparently what people want. And then he would lose out on his entire original, like, fucking thesis on we don't need gritty versions of these fucking things, assholes. Mm-hmm. As he says, hey, I'd really like to make a gritty version of this thing. Well, kind of defeats the purpose of what it is. Exactly, exactly. So, it's it's a horrible idea. If you want R-rated Power Rangers, that exists. You know, go watch Giver, go watch Garo. Garo. Um, there's other options. There's R-rated tokusatsu out there. Oh yeah, but, tons of it. Like most of like Takashi's Miki, Takashi Miike's films can kind of fall under that. Like oh for land. sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, you know, just ludicrous like rubber suits, rubber monsters, all that kind of crap. Yeah, if you want, if you want blood, if you want guts, if you want swearing, that exists. If you take Power Rangers and make it no longer a family show, it's not Power Rangers anymore. No, if that's the whole fucking purpose. Yeah, I mean, the close. I we're we're getting like the tail end of Die Ranger right now, and there's tons of like super kind of like melodramatic moments, but still in a Super Sentai series, you still have goofy shit going on around it. Oh no, you could tell serious stories in this franchise, either Super Sentai or Power Rangers. You know, there are. Well, yeah, yeah, you totally can. I'm just saying, like, I think that that's really where you can go with it. I think you try if you try to be like legit. I don't know, like, have this sense of super realism, super, like, dark edginess, it, it really takes away the charm of it. The charm of it is having a super serious story, but still have rubber monsters and shit. That's what makes it great and have a lot of fun and charm with it. Right. But in what he's going to do, it just seems like it's taking away the thing that makes it good. Yeah, agreed. Which is that which is that weird, like, stark parallel between the fact that, like, the recent episode I watched, um... My, I think it was my, is the female uh, ranger in Die Ranger. And she, like, falls in love with this photographer who turns out to be a Gorma and all this other stuff. And it's a super sad episode, but it's like he still transforms into a monster. That, like, it looks like he's made out of, like, a camera film and stuff. Yeah. And all this other stuff still going on with it. It's like, this is, this is what, this one makes it great and so much fun. But and you go, like, you, you turn the knob a little too far over in the serious zone, it's just kind of, it's just going you know, to lose itself and not be fun and not be interesting at all and just become this kind of garbage. Right. So that will, we'll see what happens to that. Probably nothing. I don't know why everyone, it, yeah, like you said, Saban would never fucking sign off on that. It, they rose such a huge hubbub about just the fan film itself. Yeah. Like, which was free on the internet, so they would never be like, yeah, let's officially do this. Officially. Officially. Uh, other official thing, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 scores a perfect 100 in test screening. Everyone, uh, kept touting this as being like, oh man, the film's great, but I have to say, the door swings both ways when it comes to test audience scores. Yeah. Because test audiences fucking hated Videodrome, Blade Runner, <laughs> I mean, there are, mm-hmm. there's a huge handful of films that test audience scores d- hated, which further kind of is hilarious like especially the video drone like wh- how why did the studio still release this movie right because <laughs> man when a few years ago someone found the test audience cards for it and it was like it was brutal how much they hated that movie mm-hmm. and all sort of stuff so i just i don't know people are touting this as you know like i said as oh the film's great it's gonna be amazing it's i think you should curb your 
enthusiasm yeah. and hype and hype a bit there because uh, I don't know. You're setting yourself up for stuff, I think, when you do that. Yeah, you're gonna fuck it up. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm excited for the film because uh, it's James Gunn. Uh, but when I saw this, when I saw this post, I immediately went, "Okay, well, I don't know why anybody cares." Test historically, test audiences are stupid. Why do we care one way or the other? Test audiences are super stupid, and they ruin movies most of the time. Yes. <laughs> so I, I was just my two cents on it. I, I figured you, you kind of agreed with the sentiments there. Oh, absolutely! Like no fucking yeah. question. Yeah, I just want to bring it up because I saw a lot of people talking about it and just. Not not really talking about the negative, like what that means, like really. Not not just a you know, it's almost like saying I don't know, like again, uh, like Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, the critics gave it a hundred, and like again, the same critic. Like I have to go back to films like, again, Videodrome, Blade Runner, The Thing. All these, uh, there's plenty of films that when they came out, people hated. Mm-hmm. It's probably films when they came out, people loved, and now we now we look back and like, wow, movie fucking sucks. Yeah, absolutely. So it's just, I don't know. There's again going back with all that. Type of stuff. Grain of salt. Grain of salt is what you need with a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of grain of salt eh, <laughs> and enthusiasm <laughs> and hype, uh, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride are set to write and direct the new Halloween movie. Okay. Which is so funny. I remember last week I was talking about like where are these franchises at? Where's Halloween at? Where's Child's Play? Then the next day, I saw this uh, news post. I'm like, yep, like usual, the day after we record. Of course. <laughs> we get some big news. I, I don't know. John Carpenter seems to like have you know gave him the thumbs up on it. Says it looks good. I I don't know though. I I just don't know. I have such hesitation on like what they think they can do with this franchise at this point because it's also they're looking at it to like ignore all the sequel, ignore all the sequels. Um, That's always such a terrible fucking idea. I hate that shit. It says almost. I don't. I don't know. It's like there's, it's not. It's not a remake. It's going to continue the story. I'm like, there's no again. There's no continuing the story after two. Mm-hmm. So you, you really should just make it a remake. It's or or you're going to ignore two and just say it, what happens after Halloween. Yeah. But we. I, I assume they'll get a new actress to play Laurie Strode. If that's what they want to do, or are they going to have him show up and try to murder someone else? I just. I don't know. When they say when they say they're gonna ignore most of it, but they don't, it's not a remake. It's not this. I'm like, well, what is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what you is? Do? Answer the question. Like, what is your mission with this movie? Because Michael Myers, the character, isn't just there to like, oh, kill babysitters. No, he's he's specifically hunting down, you know, members of his family to kill. Mm-hmm. That is that is what he's doing. That his purpose. That his his motivation as a slasher character. So it's. Uh, <sighs> I'm at. I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll hold my breath on that. Maybe uh, they'll just do a season of the witch. It'd be hilarious if the new Halloween movie is continuing the anthology myth- method of it. So it's just like a, a movie named Halloween that has nothing to do with Michael Myers. Yeah, it'd be fucking great. I would laugh so hard and super. And then at that point, I would I would love it. Or or even better yet, they make Halloween. And then Halloween Two is an anthology film, so like go they start they start the series that way and immediately have people not understand that immediately. Then again, it probably fail again because even nowadays, even with a trailer, even all this stuff, people would still fuck it up. Yep. Talking about modern movie stuff, um, a lot of people didn't watch uh, Death Proof because they left after Temp Planet Terror. Yeah. During the gr- during the Grindhouse double feature run. Fucking idiots. Because people didn't know what a double feature was. Right. I don't. I couldn't understand that. Like when I heard that news, I thought it was a joke. I thought it was a fucking joke. I didn't get it. 
Because it's yeah. it says everywhere it's a double feature. Yeah, you're getting Planet Terror and Death Proof. Yeah. Hello. Fucking whatever. It's just so funny how like the second and third, like second week and third week on, like uh, theaters had to keep telling people, "Stay, there are two movies." Mm-hmm. See, I went opening weekend, so I didn't have to deal with that. I because again, I knew what it was. It was funny though because I went to like a you know Saturday evening screening, and there was like nobody there. <laughs> It was kind of sad how those movies bombed so hard as they did. It is. I'll blame Death Proof. I will. Uh, Planet play. Terror was a legit like grindhouse film. Death Proof would have been would have put it in the theater on Wednesday and been gone by Thursday. Yep. Because <laughs> it would not have drawn. It would not have. Hey guys, uh, you want to go see that car movie? Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, it's great. There's uh, some car stuff in the first ten minutes, and then it's just um, women talking for an hour and a half. Yeah. I don't want to see that, Joe. I like the first. I think it's. I think it's about. Maybe 25 minutes. I, I love the first 25 minutes of that film. It's great. It is grindhousey. And then it's just bad after and that. And it's just bad. Because Kurt Russell goes away. Then I have all these characters I don't care about talking at a table about foot fetishes or pissing or something for like 50 minutes. Right. And then there's a kind of an okay chase between them and Kurt Very Russell. okay. But the first bit in the movie, it's like, hey, here's, he's in a bar, he's drinking, being Kurt Russell, being cool, cool stuntman guy, yeah! And then the sweet fucking car wreck, and then you can just turn the movie after off after that. Because mm-hmm. he, he basically showed you a film, that should have been the film. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, but that's it for news. Um, we will wait and see what happens with Halloween. Wait and uh, see. Given that there hasn't been a good Halloween film since 3, I don't hold much hope. I have no hope. I have zero hope. You know, that's probably the best way to go. Because if it comes out if it's good, you're like, hell yeah, great, awesome. I'm glad I was wrong. Yeah, I'd rather, you know, like I said before, I'm glad to be wrong about things. I was glad to be wrong about Guardians of the Galaxy. That's like the most notable one. I think everyone was wrong about Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I was wrong about that. I was glad to be wrong about that. Oh, totally, I was too. It's like, I don't want to see bad movies, but sometimes you just look at what's on paper and you're like, hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> But looking on paper and looking at what's wrong, uh, we are continuing uh, <laughs> a look at the films of Rudy Ray Moore from the 1970s for Black History Month. This week, we have uh, Petey Wheatstraw, The Devil's Son-in-Law from 1977, one hour and 34 minutes. Got a lengthy summary here. Uh, Petey Wheatstraw, Rudy Ray Moore, is a candidate to become the Devil's Son-in-Law. The storyline is a, scaffo- a scaffolding on which Rudy Ray Moore's stand-up humor can be unfolded. Oh, that's the fun Beginning thing. life as the afterbirth of a, to a watermelon, the young <laughs> Wheatstraw becomes a martial artist, but is unable to best the evil comedy team of Leroy and Skillet, who also indulge in wholesale murder. Satan restores the comedian's victims to life and charges Petey with the task of marrying his clock-stopping ugly daughter to give him a grandchild. When Petey attempts to default on the deal, he is pursued by the devil's henchmen. I'm impressed, but you got through all of that in one try. Uh, it was not easy. Have no fear. Uh, It's the comedy smash of the year. (laughs) Written by, um, Ornass. Uh, I mean, every time it's a synopsis written by somebody else, they're just usually terrible. Well, that one wasn't too bad, I guess. Just really long. Again, it's it's a legit, like, summary of the film. That's not... Yeah. And it's like telling you every plot by plot detail, detail and point. It's just you, here's a better summary: P.B. Straw is a stand-up comedian who is brought back to life by the devil on one condition: he marries his daughter. Brought back by the devil for revenge. 
On one condition, that he marry the devil's daughter. He is basically the crow. Kaka! Kaka! If Rudy Moore went bang bang, fuck him dead. <laughs> oh, you see, when the devil, when uh, um, Lucifer showed up to offer uh, Petey Wheatstraw the deal, he was eating a bunch of devil's food cake and deviled eggs. Good, because he's the devil. Yep, better run for the devil comes. Uh, Lu- uh, Lucifer. Oh, I'm sorry, that was an error on the printing. <laughs> Uh, so let's jump into Petey Wheatstraw. Uh, Steve, what did you think of Petey Wheatstraw, the devil's son-in-law? This movie is fucking weird, Bill. This movie is fucking weird. I didn't like this movie, Bill. Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, like, both times when it came to rewatching um, The Human Tornado and Petey Wheatstraw, I did enjoy them a bit more than when I last saw them. Uh, but I would say, as much as the filmmaking and a lot of other things have improved in Petey Wheatstraw, uh, there is still a lot of pacing issues. Mm-hmm. And such that really that makes the film just as bad as the human tornado. <laughs> For as much good as this film does, it does enough bad like to knock it backwards to put it right back <laughs> in the plane of, of the human tornado. And it's uh, sad because like I would say the first half of this film has me going with it pretty well. I think especially the fair. first thirty minutes. Oh yeah, for sure. Which we can dive into uh so uh first things first uh Rudy Moore we have to comment on his appearance uh it looks like he lost some weight for this film yes he did he looked like he was in much better shape I think all the actors uh improving lines about how fat he was in every scene we finally got to him <laughs> well he did the diet of eating corn pussy and it really helped out <laughs> hey if you're eating nothing but corn on the pussy you're gonna lose weight yeah all, all the weight <laughs> Uh, where to even begin? I guess we can begin on the the intro. We talked about the intro a lot. Racist sheriff time. is back as a doctor. Yeah, this you know being being goofy and silly. I there's like weird. This 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 intro is a good uh, um, point as the weird like tonality of this film. Yes, there are times when it's super dead serious and times when it's a fucking like Looney Tunes cartoon. I'm sorry, saying it's a Looney Tunes cartoon is be be uh, besmirching the name of Looney Tunes cartoons. This is like I don't know the most like crass, stupid like Tijuana Bible like level of humor. Yeah, at some points in this film, Mike, with the intro, uh, I forget. Do we intro on Rudy Ray Moore? Yes. Or like I am Peter Wheatstraw. I move Fourth of July to June. What does that mean? Oh, yeah, I got that right here. Fourth of July, June. I made leap year jump over the moon. What does that mean? I don't know. It's almost like the beginning of the film is the end of the film, because at this point he's already in hell, clearly. Mm-hmm. He's already he's already done fucked. But we go back to his birth, and it's like this woman in a bed, and she has like a fucking beach ball under the blankets. It's ridiculous. And out comes a watermelon. Ha! <laughs> it's a black joke. I get, uh, I'm surprised a bucket of chicken didn't come out with the oh, level Jesus we're working with here. Oh, Christ. I mean, given the level of comedy we're working with here, we're watermelons, so might as well just keep playing on it, guys. You just, man, you are, uh, you're, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel so hard that you're going underneath the, in, out of the barrel now. The first joke is a watermelon joke. Yeah. That's the tone for this fucking movie. At least, no, that's the tone for the start of the film, because then we're going to, like, shift, like, 180 a different direction, then 180 back, and it's just... You think you think this is going to be a more goofy film, <laughs> but then yeah, then then when Petey Wheatstraw is born, he comes out like a, as a five year old child, <laughs> wanting to smack with up a the, diaper. the doctor yeah, with a diaper on everything. You know, he's he's wearing like a t shirt too, isn't he? 
No, he's no, he well, I know he's not. He's, he's but he's he is wearing some underoos. That'd be weird because... if a baby was born with a t-shirt on. Well, it's weird the baby was born with a fucking like underwear on. Nah, that's fine. No, that's natural. That's natural. Just, just as much as the watermelon, as we were told, as we were told in the summary of this film. <laughs> and like oh, all this stuff. Then we cut to him getting beat up, and then we cut to, like, a magical black man teaching him kung fu. Yep, the kung fu and self-respect. Don't forget the self-respect. Then that, It's like, all this is happening so quickly, and I don't understand why. And th- and then, uh, then we get some actual, like, and we're in credits, of course, overall top of this. This is a very long, like, opening credit sequence yes, for this film. Long. But there's no Rudy Ray Moore running with a cape on with his name on it. No, sadly we have, we set, we sadly have more money, so we stepped this up a little bit. <laughs> so we have actual stuff going on, and and all that. Uh, so of course, of course, it's a Rudy Ray Moore film, so we have to open on him doing stand up. Uh, I will give this film. He's a successful stand up comedian. Yes, he is a very successful stand up comedian. Every character he plays, ex- ex- except the next film, because he's not playing a stand up in that film, as far as I remember. Uh, but in this film, yep, he's again, he's a stand-up comedian. But I will give this film props. We have very little of it this time. By comparison, that is a factual fucking statement. Yeah, all we get this time is him insulting a, a fat woman and an ugly man. Yep. You better shut your mouth and have this woman whip her titty out and smack you with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so oh. funny. Ah, your ass is so huge. <laughs> she, she's, it's pretty good Rudy she, Ray Moore impersonation. She's, uh, you're right, Rudy. He, she is fat. I'm sorry. You are right, Petey Wheatstraw. You're definitely not Rudy Ray Moore. Not Rudy Ray you are, Moore. You are Petey Wheatstraw. The Devil's Son-in-Law. Um, these films. Uh, so the okay. So the main. I would say the first main plot of the film. He's got these rival comedians. Uh, rival comedians who own another club. Uh, was it Skillet and Leroy? Who are getting a hundred thousand dollars from Mister White, aptly named? Yes, of course. Uh, who is clearly with the mob because they always have to have white people have money and be with the mob. And they're giving him a hundred thousand dollar loan to start a club. And they realize their opening night, PDE Straw is going to be performing in a rival club. And they're so like, "Fuck!" They're... And so now, if this was the entire plot of the like this entire like uh, skeletal frame of the film, I think I would enjoy this film a lot more. But what happens here is uh, they want to kind of rough up uh, P.E. Wheatstraw when he decides, says he won't work for them. And, of course, it, it wouldn't be a Rudy Ray Moore film if someone's uh, nephew or brother <laughs> or someone doesn't die. So I have a, I think it was um, Harry. Someone kills Harry. I don't know. remember who. Harry is uh, someone's brother. He's someone's brother. Who cares? It matters as much as all the other characters that died. I just remember because I was like, oh no, Harry. I'm like, oh my god, Harry, but who are you? I don't <laughs> They put so much focus on the person dying, I don't know who the fuck who was the main character that this is relating to. You'd think after so this film... three films, Rudy Ray would have a better understanding of how to make you care about someone that dies. The thing is, I care. Like, I, I, Especially because it was handled better than a human tornado with Ernie Hudson. Yeah, I, uh, was it, I think, maybe it was Jerry. I don't know, whatever. Harry's brother. Larry! Larry. Larry and Harry was his brother that got killed. I think that's what we're doing here. Yes. But anyways, um goddamn, I was trying to I was trying to piece this puzzle together <laughs> sometimes. Oh, this is a lament configuration build. Don't here, put it together. Like, no so uh God, I'm like scratching my head here. 
we have like four plots in this film. Like now, it's almost as if they took a, a script for another black exploitation film, in which case some goons kill a guy's brother and he goes out for revenge. That's a common trope, like seventies like exploitation film, like skeletal like a plot for a film. Yes, they took that. They tossed it in here. They tossed in like these rival clubs thing. They toss in resurrection. Uh, they toss in trying to outsmart the devil. It's like ah, oh, there's so much going on here. Now, if this film was, if there was just a film. I'm, I'm we're gonna say Larry. Let's say assume Larry and his brother getting killed. He, him wanting to get revenge is like a subplot of this film, and I'm interested in it. I'm actually really interested in that part of this film. Yeah, they have a good actor playing him. It's a really like kind of hard, you know, serious scene when he's killed, mm-hmm. all this other stuff, and it's just like. But then he him wanting to have revenge on Scarface Willie, who's the who works for uh, Leroy and Skillet, and all this other stuff. That's like a subplot in this film. That's going on and i'm interested in that i'm in, i'm honestly interested in uh leroy and skillet wanting uh, do, uh do, oh my god uh pd P- wheatstraw <laughs> to come perform at their club i like the whole shit i mean i i legit think this when it comes to tonal shifts you have all this silly crap going on and then when uh harry is killed they fuck jesus christ they fucking go to the funeral procession outside the church and gun everybody fucking down yeah jesus christ this it, again, I expect scenes like this to be in shit like I don't know Fred Williamson films like Black Caesar or, or all these other type of things. Like that's a serious fucking scene. Yeah, it is. And instead, we're getting getting it in this fucking P.D. Wheatstraw film. Where t- to correlate this? Uh, not about five minutes later, when uh, P.D. Wheatstraw's back back to life from the devil, he confronts Scarface Willie, who comically shits his pants. Yes, that was fucking weird. Like Hanna Barbera level sound effects of like this trauma. <laughs> yeah, tra- oh trauma. Okay, you're very, very true. Very trauma. <laughs> it was trauma. Yeah. Sh- shitting of the pants, and even to a point later, they're at the uh, skill in Le- Leroy's place, and everyone's like, like holding their nose, and wanting to vomit because he smells so bad because he pooped himself. And even when he like gets up to walk away, there's like again, I want to say Hanna Barbera because like that's that type of like uh, sound effects catalog they're working with. There's like like I seen like the brown stain on the back of his pants. Yeah. It's just like. What is this? <laughs> like, that, that, like, at the church shootout scene is where, like, that's the 30 minutes in. That is where this film, like, just goes off. It just loses On a whole mind. different drag. Like, the first 30 minutes, even with the stupid watermelon birth scene and stuff, I I'm, I can live with. Up, but everything else going, I'm like, okay, this is kind of compelling and interesting. Uh, but then it just goes off a rail after that. Yeah. Both yeah, in does. terms of tonal shifts some of the comedy and in the pacing because mm-hmm. this movie is an hour and 40 minutes long and it does not need to be that long I, i'm gonna be fucking totally honest this movie was boring me at points where like i stopped completely paying attention well it's easy too because there's like like okay so when the devil resurrects a peewee straw as we kind of talked about the, the the caveat is he marries his daughter and then produces a son for him and then we're led to believe you know it's like oh no his daughter's so ugly but He's helping, he's gonna let Petey get revenge and do all this stuff. Like, in general, Lucifer seems like a really nice guy in this movie. Yeah, he seems like a cool dude. He's played by, um, try to see, uh, played by, uh, G. Tito Shaw, who I think was, this was his first film. I thought it might have, I thought it said introducing. I could be completely wrong there. But he's actually really charismatic. And, like, I would say a lot of the actors in this film are way better than the previous two films. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. Everyone, I think everyone's doing really good, really good job. Overall, I, even 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 Rudy Ray is a lot better in this film. Yes, I, you know he got he as he got fit, more fit, he also got better acting. And even he, even 
the kind of sparse kung fu scenes looked a little, a little bit better. Again, by comparison. Yeah, I mean, we had a lot less... A little, a little, a little, bit, a little bit more subtle, like... Yeah, that was, weird, that's fine. Like, it's weird, but... Bruce Lee, like, mimicking type sounds, like, tropey stuff. Yeah. Uh, but the whole revenge element of the film, like, he gets a magic uh, cane. It's almost like a magic pimp it's cane. It's a pimp... It is the devil's magic pimp cane. Yeah, and he's just... Like, really quickly, he gets revenge on Leroy and Skillet. But then we have, like... Really fast. 25 minute long montage scene of him just doing stuff for people and it's like even when he's walking down the street it's in slow motion it's uh it goes on forever and it's annoying well at least he combed some children's hair and made them cry oh my god <laughs> some kids being little shits and he walked there's like i'm gonna comb your hair and he's like gets a pick out and the kid's like just bawling the head off it's like i like to think that he did they didn't like hire that kid he rudy ray just found some kid on the street <laughs> and attacked them and then like just left them crying it's kind of uncomfortable the levels of crying this kid is doing. yeah i think those are real fucking tears if even if they were like hired and that was not a random kid because even as he walks away the kid like flops down and is like legit crying and we're shooting we're, like, they're filming him for like 30 seconds just sitting there crying yeah stay on that kid yeah well, yeah stay on him why are we doing this? <laughs> uh, but speaking of tone shifts, like I actually do kind of like the scene at Leroy and Skillet's club when uh, uh, I keep wanting to say Rudy Ray or Dolomite or all that. Petey Weedstraw is using the magic cane to fuck with them, like fucking up their stand-up routine, fucking up the the, the female singer there, and it's kind of an okay scene. It's not too bad. Like the comedy's firing. Like yeah. the two actors playing Leroy and Skillet are pretty fun, both in like their kind of uh, sleazy shitty side where they're like trying to like get the money and do this evil stuff even when they're trying to be like serious in the scenes and stuff mm-hmm. like, they're pretty good like again like the acting the good acting is good in this movie i really don't have any issues with the acting no there's no uh queen bee elements in this one. Oh no oh dolomite i'm so happy i'm so happy <laughs> yeah none of that like the last 40 minutes of this film is what really breaks it for me yeah i'd say that's the exact same thing i would say because that, that is really when they, they he does all this stuff, and he's now now here's his big plan to outsmart Lucifer. What's the big plan, Bill? Okay, okay, we're gonna we're gonna drug up a wino, do some <laughs> apparently brilliant, amazing Hollywood special effects on this wino to make him look like me, and then we're gonna give him up to the Lucifer. And by the time Lucifer figures out what's up, what's going on, we'll be like two states over. <laughs> Two states over from away from the devil. That's his, that's the masterful plan here. Sounds good, Rudy. And so we, we're going to spend the next 40 minutes watching uh, P.D. Wheatstraw try to outsmart and battle the devil and all of his minions. All of his minions, which... The, who, are just, who are just black extras wearing, like, horns on their head. They look... And going, ugh. Uh, they look great. They look so great. Now, if this whole sequence of everything happening here wasn't so long, I thought... Some of this was kind of funny to me, like... All the extra, all the different char- people who are like in uh, P.D. Weedsaw's entourage and like his his p- people that travel with him, like his manager, his girlfriend, all this stuff. Their their genuine reactions when these guys start bu- bu- popping up and attacking them is is really funny. Yeah, sure. Because it was like holy shit, like oh fuck, like they <laughs> even the scene when he's fighting Lucifer on the roof and he's like, I need to go back to my place get my money and stuff. He's like, No, we gotta wait for Petey. It'll just take a minute. Oh, okay, and they drive off and they leave. Him there. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do find that kind of funny, but. We still have just tons of him 
of Rudy just like pretend shaking this fucking cane and attacking people and stuff. Pretend shake that cane, Rudy. And it's just really tiring and annoying. It's extremely tiring. It lasts way too fucking long. And then, I mean, obviously the big joke here is obviously Lucifer realizes that, you know, PD tried to fuck him over. And he's coming after him. And when they drive off, he gets in a different car. It's like, ah, ha, ha, we tricked you, PD. And the film kind of the film kind of has like a bad ending where PD Reedstraw did not outsmart the devil and is indeed going to have to marry the you know his daughter. Yep. And it, the film the film actually has an actual ending compared to the previous. Yes, films. it like does. It ends on PD screaming, and that's and then it like free freeze frames and credits. Like that's an actual ending. Yeah. Wow, they know how to make endings to these movies. Finally. Uh, so that's the. I think we, that's the general gist of the plot uh, overall. I, unless I missed uh, some. Um, <laughs> uh, you didn't miss anything that matters. I mean, that's that's how that's how kind of uh, thin the, the film overall is. Uh, we did get a bachelor party sex scene mm-hmm. where the Lucifer gives Petey Beatstraw a room full of uh, attractive uh, demon ladies. Right. We got like this weird like Benny Hill level of uh, sex scene. <laughs> kind of silly it is a little silly again there's there's parts of this movie that are silly and funny but it's just so fucking full of bullshit and then there are parts of the film yeah then there are parts of the film that are trying to be funny and are just really i don't know uh low really low brow like just crass dumb like this is this almost like modern modern day trauma humor yeah it's the good equivalent for that it absolutely feels like modern day trauma and that's the issue like i think the biggest issue with this film is that like Dolomite was filled with a lot of unintended comedy. Yeah. Human Tornado was... They definitely put in more legitimate jokes, but there's also still a lot of, like, unintended charm and fun to it. Mm -hmm. This one, they really tried to make a comedy and just failed. Yeah, I would say... Yeah, that's definitely a good point. Like, we talked about Human Tornado is them, like, aha, we had some funny stuff in Dolomite. (laughs) Let's play off that. Yeah, they played off it, absolutely. And it's clear that they were were trying to make it more funny, but... It was still coming, like, in some parts, again, it was charming, because it, it was like, aha, they don't know what they're doing, that, that's that's cool, it's cool they're trying to do something here, okay, we can give them some props for that, but this film is definitely a time when it's like, no, we're really gonna try to make a comedy now, mm-hmm. and it's like, it's funny, because the serious stuff, they're doing way better than they did in the previous films, but the comedy stuff is way worse. Yeah. And it's like, there's very, very few bits that are in the middle where it's like, you know, this is good, I like this. Mm-hmm. And it's just that's what kind of hurts the film. Were there any uh, any other specific uh, par- elements or parts of the film that we haven't quite talked talked about? Yet I mean, that you wanna... I, mean I, I really feel like we covered everything that I want to talk about. You know, it's 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 yeah. boring. It's too long. That tries to be funny, but its humor's not good. Yeah, I always feel bad when I kind of run down the list. And it's like, okay, uh, what else we got? Oh shit, fuck. Yeah, because <laughs> that's it. That's like, there's, like it's it's a very thin plot. But it's funny because it's a thin plot. There's but there's like. Four stories going on here. Yeah, it's, it's, I, if they would have just focused on two of them, and, and kind of, and, and you know, uh, you could you could have developed some elements more. Uh, made I, I guess the, it says here it's one thirty four. I thought it said longer than that when I was watching it on um, my DVD, but it felt even like then, eight hours. I, yeah, there was definitely some pacing problems because like so we get the whole club rivalry stuff then him dying then we have like some elements of him coming back but then we have to go back to the revenge story and then he does get he gets revenge on um leroy and skillet really quickly and then the rest of the film is just like 
him doing stuff and then having to deal with like this whole deal he made with Lucifer. And it's like, I just didn't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I would have, maybe if I, I, as much as I like the whole stuff with the brother being killed, I'd probably cop, chop that out. Mm-hmm. Which the resolution for that I did, I did like. That's, I want to kind of cover that end of that storyline. Um, the, the brother does get, a hold of Scarface Willie and he's beating up he's gonna kill him but Scarface Willie stabs himself in the gut and kills himself and doesn't give him the satisfaction mm-hmm. and even he's like grabbing like don't you fucking take this away from me yeah I, it's like god damn like everything here I want this to be its own movie <laughs> it could have been really I know there's I know, th- I know these type of movies are a dime a dozen from the 70s but it's like this is way more interesting than this whole uh, P.D. Wheatstraw deal with the devil storyline it's so much better but it's like, there's just, yeah, it's funny. There's so much in this film, but at the end of the day, still very little. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of potential that was not fully realized. So I guess, uh, any, any other final thoughts before we go to star ratings? I don't like this movie. <laughs> I will say I, I like, like I said, I like this. I actually enjoyed this film a lot more than I did the first time I saw it, but that's not saying much. When I first saw it, I hated this movie, mm-hmm. but rewatching it, I'm like, I can, I, I, a lot more things I, f- I found enjoyable. Uh, so that's, I guess, about it. I, I would, uh, I don't think I would recommend it. Again, I would, of the three we're up to so far, I would say Dolomite is the easiest one to recommend to people. I'd say so, yeah. And then maybe move on from there. But uh, we'll, uh, we'll go on to something more special next week. But for now, we got to give our star ratings on Petey Wheatstraw, The Devil's Son-in-Law. Steve, what do you give it? I mean, there are there are a couple good bits, and then there are, you know the acting solid, and they improved in some places, and from a filmmaking standpoint. But the stuff that doesn't work really doesn't work in my opinion. So I got to give it like a two out of five. Two out of five. I I, I settled around where I did with uh, the Human Tornado. I give it a three. Okay. So that's that's where we stand on that. Uh, if you want to let us know where you stand on this, or maybe if you uh, could think of better ways to set Lucifer on fire than throw him off a roof. <laughs> Uh, you can email us at moviefilmsatbillandsteve at gmail.com. You can, of course, find all of our episodes so interestingly, nicely laid out in a beautiful color scheme on moviefilmsatbillandsteve.tumblr.com. It's very convenient, very awesome. And then there's the triumvirate of other ways you can get in touch with us. There's, of course, Facebook. Give us a like and leave us uh, leave a post. Again, if you have any movie suggestions or if you want to leave your thoughts on how we're doing on the show or other thoughts about, let's say you watched uh, P.E. Wheat Straw and you have some counterpoints you want to give us, please post them there. We'd love to read it. Uh, you can, of course, find a link to that on the Tumblr. I link to all this stuff on the Tumblr. It's very convenient that way. And there's also the iTunes. Look us up, Movie Films, Bill and Steve. Uh, give us a five-star review. That's a very helpful thing. we got a couple on there. We'd love some more. And, we're, of course, on Stitcher, you can find us on the website or on the mobile app. And, as always, I am on Twitter at LaVolvaBill. Hey, guys, you can check out my film, SilverSpotlightFilms.com, Facebook.com slash SilverSpotlightFilms. Karishell.com and to look at me wearing uh, Spider-Man suits and showing off my body, my soft, sensual body. Mm. Man, I don't know why Marvel didn't come to you to be Spider-Man. I agree. A little twinky boy. A little fucking twink. <laughs> uh, Facebook.com slash The Amazing Spider Steve. Fantastic. Well, as always, guys, I've been Bill. I've been Steve. Romance without finance, the damn nuisance. <laughs>